everyone, and welcome to a new season of WorkMinded. This season, we'll be exploring the topic of change. With so much shifting in the world around us, learning ways to navigate change in a mindful way is becoming increasingly important. Today, we'll focus on changing our mindset. How does our perception of ourselves influence our ability to deal with change? Our guest today is Janet Ioli. As a women's leadership expert and executive coach, Janet has been helping people and organizations make changes and maximize their impact for over 25 years. Janet was recently featured by Women to Watch Media, and in her interview with Sue Rocco, she shared that after the death of her father, she was prompted to ask herself this question, am I living my life in alignment with what's important to me? This is a question that Janet poses to readers in her book, Less Ego, More Soul. If you feel like something's missing and you need that extra push to make changes, this book is for you. We're excited to share more about Janet's approach and to get her thoughts on inspiring change within ourselves. Janet, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We're so excited to talk with you. Oh, Shannon, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. I wanted to start by asking you a little bit about what led you to explore this topic of personal change, and maybe you can share a few stories about how it's meaningful to you personally. Sure. Well, in the work that I do as an executive coach, one of the really unique privileges I have is that I enter a window into the inner worlds and minds of hundreds of people that are in leadership positions, right? So I I have this window into their minds. And from this vantage point, I listen to private thoughts, I listen to frustrations, and I listen to people's yearnings that you wouldn't really know or even have a clue about if you weren't in a coaching session, right? And you weren't listening to these these things. And what I started to see is that themes would start to come up. Over and over again, the frustrations and the yearnings and the thoughts had some similarities, right? In the inner world, as we were talking about, what am I yearning for? What, what, am, I, what am I frustrated with? We talked about self-doubt or, or private things. And every one of these things that we would talk about had something to do with wanting someone or something to change. Or if it wasn't someone or something, it was wanting to make a change. So everything was about change. And what I've come to realize with, you know, just all the work that I've done in this space, right, in in studying human development for two decades now and studying change, that any change that we're looking to make doesn't come from the outside. It doesn't come from changing something. It comes from the inside. And whether it's changing our mindset, how we look at the world, Uh, how we respond, whether we change our assumptions about something, anything that we change, it's about changing ourselves first. And, you know, I've realized this not only with other people, right, that I work with, because that's what I do is I help people change, but I've seen it in my own life, right? Even even something as simple, and, and, you know, I'll just be really, really obviously simple here, even wanting to change your eating habits, right? And you want to um, get more fit and more healthy. Something personally has to change within you before you can actually develop new habits in order to do that. So I think how we train our minds has a lot to do with how we show up and how grounded we are and also how we're able to deal with change in, in, our, in our world around us. 
Great. That makes a lot of sense to me and definitely experience I can relate to personally as well as professionally. And one of the key themes that you keep referencing throughout the book is this dynamic between our inner wisdom and then this identity that we present to the world Mm -hmm. and how sometimes these things are in opposition to each other. So can you describe a little bit about this tension and why developing alignment between the two is so important? Yeah, you're right. It's a big theme. And this may seem deep, and it is deep. <laughs> so I think when sometimes we're, we're afraid to go and think a little bit deeper, but when we're born right into the world, our whole quest is to feel safe, right? Because you know, we're this, this body in this world, it's unknown. We don't know what's around us. And the, that safety comes in the form of feeling like we're in control, like having some sort of a con- control of our environment. And so how do we get that? How do we get that safety? as kids, as, as babies, as we grow, we get that safety from others. Others are telling us stories to make us feel safe. They're, you know, they're, we, and we learn stories depending where we're born, um, depending on what culture we're in, depending on what family we're in, depending on the institutions around us. We're learning stories about the meaning of everything. And they're simple stories. And, and they're designed to help us grow and feel safe in the world. And what happens is that those stories that we learn become our own and they make us feel safe. They help us gain approval from others. We feel accepted, validated, and we feel as if we're in control on some level when we adapt these stories because I, I know, like we, we have a knowing. And, and none of this is bad. So I'm not saying, okay, that there's something bad about that, right? That's just natural of how we're going to survive in the world. But beyond this, these stories that we learn, I think there's something bigger than us that's inside of us that's connected to something bigger and greater. And Carl Jung, you know, the very famous psychiatrist and psychologist, you know, talks about this part of ourselves, and he calls it the bigger self. And he, he actually capitalizes the S. It's like an inner wisdom. And you can call it whatever you want. You can call people call it a soul. People call it, you know, my inner voice, whatever it is. I refer to it as our, our inner wisdom. And this place is an inner guide that we all have that's much bigger than these simple stories that we've been conditioned with. And we hear the voice of this guide throughout our lives. Everybody that I've ever talked to and I talk to a lot of people, talk about this inner wisdom. They don't know what it is. They don't know what to call it. You know, some people call it intuition, whatever it is. And sometimes that inner wisdom is very much out of alignment with what other people are telling us and teaching us. It's funny. It, it starts to bubble up in different parts of our lives when we, when we know, you know, you know, when you have that feeling, well, I know something is off. I know something is off. And we start to feel this misalignment and we start to feel uncomfortable, yet we push it away. We push that voice away. It's like, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm, I'm in control. I'm safe. Right. And so what I talk about um, in the book is that becoming more conscious about this contradiction and clear about this voice actually puts us in a better place of choice. And it actually, in the end, believe it or not, even though it doesn't feel like it gives us more control, <laughs> the thing that we're searching for, that control, whatever control is. Right. So that's the dynamic that I think we sometimes interpret as I'm not happy, I'm not unfulfilled, etc. It's that dynamic tension between that voice we have and all the simple stories we have about the world and what we're supposed to be like. 
That's so interesting. And it makes me think that one of the places that we tend to present a lot of stories about ourselves or about our backgrounds is specifically when it comes to our work or to our careers. And I wonder, you mentioned that our ego identities are intended to, this is your phrase from the book, to please, to polish, and to prove. So how do you think this applies, especially when it comes to our work and to our careers? Yeah, that's a great question. I Again, you know, as I talk to people, again, because I think the theme where, where I get a lot of this, besides, you know, the theory, the psychological theory behind it, but it's just talking to people who are incredibly powerful from the outside, incredibly successful. I'm talking about, you know, senior executives in really large companies who, from the outside, you would look at them and you'd say, wow, this person is almost intimidatingly powerful, successful, look at all they've accomplished. And yet, when I talk to them over and over again in, in, in coaching meetings or privately, what I hear are stories of self-doubt, of being ungrounded, of needing validation. And this, this occurs especially with women, uh, the women executives I work with, of constantly needing someone else to tell them that they're doing okay, that they belong there, that no matter how much accomplishment they have, that, oh, wow, someone else has more or that isn't good enough. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing, Shannon. It's, it's not just one or two people. It, it, this occurs over and over again. And I think that dynamic comes from what I, what I call you know, those simple stories is that when you're operating out of this, what I call ego mask, this need to please prove my worthiness, right? And then polish my image and you're operating from that exclusively most of the time, you end up in a really ungrounded place. And that ungrounded place is not having an anchor. So I'm not negating the fact that we do need to please polish and prove, right? I mean, that's going to be the reality in our, in our world. But what I'm pointing out is that if there's no anchor behind that, and there's no sense of my own voice and what I stand for, who I am, what I believe in, what I'm committed to, as I call, as I call that grounding, then you're constantly at the mercy of someone else's validation and someone else's approval, which may not be consistent with your own approval. That's so interesting. And again, something I can relate to both personally and professionally. And I wonder too, another concept that really resonated with me from the book, and I wonder if this is another theme that you've seen across all the clients you've worked with, is this idea of a thunderbolt moment. And I'm wondering if you can explain for our listeners first a little more about what exactly that means. Sure. So so we we get caught up in this, whatever you want to call it, game or... or um, outer world of pleasing, proving, and polishing, right? So as we do that, we start to hear a little bit of an echo of our own voice of, you know, what is important to me? Wait a minute, this might be, feel a little out of alignment. We may, it may come in the form of an illness, right? We keep getting headaches or there's some sort of gnawing or yearning. That's a theme I always hear is that there's something telling me that what I'm doing or what I'm doing, I'm not satisfied with. And it's not so much on happiness, because happy is a state, but it's this discomfort with who I'm being, really. You know, so, th- so there's like this little call, I, hey, I need to make a change. There's something I need, I need to think about this. And yet we push it aside because we're too busy or 
we've got things to do, we've got bills to pay, we've got all the things that are going on in our lives, right? Our, our daily lives that, you know, I don't have time to sit there and self-reflect about who I am. What is that, right? And so we push it aside. What I see as a theme, and I see it a theme in, in my own life, and, but I see it with so many people that I work with, is that we push it aside until something happens. That's a catalyst to, that causes us to pause and really do some self-reflection about what's most important. And that usually comes, I call it a thunderbolt. It comes out of the sky as you get laid off from your job. You get a divorce. You get, uh, suddenly are diagnosed with an illness. Someone dies that's really important to you. Those thunderbolt moments actually cause you to, I, I don't know, I say, you know, just crack open that mask that you've been carrying and say, okay, wait a minute. There's a voice here. What is most important to me? Am I living in alignment? So to me, we wait for this thunder, well, we don't wait for it, but that we make the changes we want to make or we listen to our voice when we get those thunderbolt moments. And unfortunately, we wait for that versus taking the time, taking the pause to really get in touch with that voice and have it be in alignment with our daily life, not waiting for this thunderbolt to strike us in order to do that self-reflection. I don't know if that makes sense to you, Shannon. Yes, it absolutely does. And in fact, I think your comments are so timely because I wonder if COVID-19 could yeah. be considered kind of that collective thunderbolt moment for all of us. I know I've heard so many people who are talking about facing these kinds of issues and having these kinds of conversations with themselves and with other people, with their social groups, with their families. I wonder what your thoughts are on pursuing this inner wisdom and trying to align these priorities with our values, even while so so many things are going on. And also while so much of what's happening in the world right now, and especially job security is so uncertain. Yes. And I mentioned that in the book. It's funny. I was writing this book during COVID. And to me, that's like a collective thunderbolt, exactly what you just said. And it, it has, for some, for some of us, it has caused a lot, a lot of self-reflection, a lot of, you know, what is, what's the most important. And, you know, it's funny. When, I, when I'm talking about aligning your inner wisdom to your values and being in alignment, I'm not talking going up on a hill, growing your hair, and you know, abandoning your life. <laughs> yeah, I'm too, way too practical for that, right? Um, you know, we, we live in the real world. So it's not this vision of, you know, I've got to abandon my job, I've got to abandon everybody and find myself. That's not at all what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is while you're busy doing everything you're doing in your life, right? So it doesn't matter what it is you're doing. Are you conscious of who you are being while you're doing these things? And are you being the person that you want to be? And are you being in alignment with that inner wisdom of yours? So it's how you behave and the choices you're making every single moment. It's not necessarily always attached to what you're doing. Um, we're so caught up in the doing like you could be uh you know you say your your children are the most important to you let's just make that up right so you know my family and my children are most important so how are you being with your children right how are you being with your family how are you being with your spouse to me that is being in alignment is being more conscious of your behaviors every moment 
versus just being caught up in this simple story and these the proving, pleasing, and polishing and the doing. Absolutely. And, you know, one of my favorite takeaways from the book that actually really relates to what you just said is this idea that each of us within us has the ability to access our inner wise voice and especially to tap into that resource by using mindfulness. And I know that's a big focus for what we do at WorkMinded. I wonder if you have any suggestions for tools or for techniques that you can share with people to help them start their exploration into mindfulness if it's maybe new to them or if they're looking to have a deeper practice for themselves. Yes. And, you know, I'm obviously a big fan of mindfulness. I'm not a big fan of labels, right? And so sometimes we get caught up in the label and we think, oh, wow, this is something that's not for me. Or, oh, you know, that's something that's, well, I must, I must mean meditation or it must mean some practice that I'm, it just doesn't apply to me. Whereas mindfulness really is about being more conscious. It's exactly what I'm ta- what I talk about in the book. I don't use the word mindfulness, but being more conscious is really mindfulness, right? Is you're being mindful of your current state and the words you choose and the behaviors you're you're exhibiting. So to me, becoming more mindful is the journey of listening to your own voice. Is lis- really listening to yourself. And and I don't necessarily think that you have to go and take up a meditation practice to practice mindfulness. Um, There are so many other vehicles and tools that you can use to practice mindfulness. And and one of them is, you know, my favorite one is, is the practice of journaling. And again, you know, some people say, Oh, journaling, you know, I got to go write a diary. And that's not what I mean at all. There's a a wonderful book by uh, Julia Cameron. It's called the artist's way. I don't know if you've heard of it, Shannon, but it's, it's a, it's a wonderful book talking about, you know, this similar themes of accessing your inner wisdom and mindfulness. And what she offers in her book is, you know, how do you tap into your inner creativity is by every single morning when you wake up, you know, taking out your notebook or a journal and just writing whatever comes to your mind for 10 minutes. And somebody will say, well, I don't have 10 minutes. <laughs> I don't have 10 minutes to do that. Well, get up 10 minutes earlier, right? It's a practice. It's something that attunes yourself. It it clears out all of the noise and it tunes you to a space, an unconscious space in your mind that you may not be attuned to. And as you write this, and you, you may say, well, I don't know what to write or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Just write for 10 minutes. And then over time, go back and look at what you've written. And you'll be amazed you will be amazed at what you see about the, some of the things that are going on in your mind and in your unconscious beyond your mind, right? It's not just the little things of, you know, I've got to go to the dentist today. I've got three errands to run. I've got four meetings at work. I'm overstressed. But other things will start to come up that will give you windows um, into that inner voice of yours and, you know, a little bit more conscious awareness. So that's one, one tool that I, I really, really recommend to people. Another one is, you know, in the book, you know, so I I know we don't have time to describe them here, but in the book, I have series of questions that can allow you to tune into your inner wisdom and be more mindful, um, be more conscious, because again, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about mindfulness is conscious of your presence and who you are. And 
you know, there's an exercise of creating your own personal manifesto. And it, it, you know, I go through a bunch, a bunch of questions that help you think about, and a few exercises that help you think about, you know, who am I? What do I believe in? And what am I committed to? And the answers to those questions are, seem really simple, but they're actually hard to access. <laughs> and once you access those, you have some sort of a compass that will, that I call it a mindfulness com- a compass in, in some ways, right? Well, it allows you to be more conscious. Am I being this person that I'm saying here in this manifesto? What, who I am, what I believe in, and what I'm committed to. So those are some suggestions that I have. That is awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I know we're coming up on the end of our time, but for people who are interested in exploring some of those resources or maybe finding out a little bit more, is there a way that our listeners can connect with you and your work after the show? Yeah, sure. So the book's available on Amazon. So, you you know, it's um, less ego, more soul. So you can find that. I'm at janetioli.com. So you can find my website. And then please feel free to email me at Janet at JanetIoli.com directly if, I, if there's anything that I can help you with in terms of questions or if anything comes up in the book that, that you'd like to explore further. That's great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. I think everything we discussed today is just so relevant to so many people at this point in time. And so taking the time to dive a little bit deeper and finding out how people can continue to explore this topic is just such a gift. So thank you so much. And we really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Shannon. It's been a pleasure. It's, it's always wonderful talking about this topic. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode to talk about changing our mindset. If you're interested in learning more about Janet's work, be sure to check out her book on Amazon, reach out by email, or connect with her on LinkedIn. For more resources on mindfulness and change management, you can also visit our website at www.workminded.net. Our next episode will cover change in organizations. Whether you work in an organization or not, how organizations run is affecting all of us, more so during the pandemic than ever before. So be sure to tune in as we explore approaches to change in organizations and what this means for the employees and the communities that they serve. We'll see you then.